0: I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9-to-5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo. And this is lead with impact. Welcome to lead with impact. I'm Brian and I am thrilled that you're here with me today. We have a really special guest. We're going to be joined by Dr. Diane Lang, Dr. Lang is a leadership coach, trainer, presenter, and internationally published author. She has over 15 years of experience. In a variety of businesses, including healthcare, academia, government agencies, banking, and manufacturing. She specializes in leadership, executive coaching, and management development. She has designed and delivered training to approximately 2,500 employees a year and coached employees from line staff to the C suite. She is the founder of the Leadership Lane a consultancy through which she coached, consulted, and trained employees in many different organizations, including BAE, Lockheed Martin, and many, many more. And she has a doctorate in education specializing in organizational communication and leadership from Northeastern University, a master's degree in TV, radio, and film from Syracuse University's Newhouse School of Public Communications, and she is a certified leadership coach from Georgia Washington University's Graduate School of Organizational Sciences. That is a lot, and I really can't wait to speak to Dr. Lang because I think and I suspect she's going to have an awful lot to say about leadership. So let's talk to Dr. Lang. We are fortunate today to be joined by Dr. Diane Lang. Thank you very much for joining us, Diane.
1: Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, Brian.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about what you do?
1: Yes. I try to develop people who want to be leaders or who um, are currently leaders and they may be struggling. And I've had people come to me, seek me out, and I've also had people assigned to me and <laughs> um, and try to help them become better leaders so that the people who work for them, their followers, are able to be productive, to be happy, to have good morale, good engagement, all the things that make organizations great.
0: Perfect. How did you get there? Is this something that you just started your career doing this or was there a journey? There was a
1: journey. Um, you know, if if I had known about this back when I was in college many uh, moons ago, I would have probably said this is what I wanted to do. But I didn't know about this then. And so um, I did a variety of different things and ended up teaching. My first uh, career was in was from uh, Newhouse Syracuse University TV, radio, and film. And I used to be a producer and director with that with corporations. And then I ended up teaching it. On the college level, I taught communications, and then I saw an opening for a job in a hospital teaching adults, and I thought, you know what? I'd really like to teach adults for a change. It might be easier. <laughs> Wrong.
0: <laughs> Wrong answer.
1: <laughs> and I ended up working in organizational development in a hospital, and as a matter of fact, I had done videos for them, so it was kind of a perfect fit, and... Um, In that capacity, I was training adults, and boy, did I find out I was wrong. They were like, you try to tell me something, sister. you got another thought coming. (laughs) So um, what ended up happening, though, is several nurse managers along the way would come up to me after classes that I would do. And they'd say, Diane, maybe you can help me with this because I've got poor morale, or we did an employee satisfaction survey, and my my, uh, scores were, you know, tanked. Um, or we've got terrible conflict or we've got, I've got rumors to do, whatever it is. Can you help me? And I said, I'd love to help you. And I tried to fly by the seat of my pants and I really didn't know what I was doing. So I enrolled in a course. I live in upstate New York and I enrolled in a coaching curriculum in a master's program at George Washington University. And I commuted from upstate New York down to Washington, DC once a month for that. And it was in the organizational sciences uh, master's program. And so I, I did that and oh boy, I learned so much and I learned how to coach. Totally different thing than training. I mean, coaching is a whole different perspective, whole different mindset. And so once I learned that and learned about organizational development along with it, I started coaching in my hospital. It was a fairly large system. We had about 5,000 employees and I was doing that and I absolutely loved it. And I happened to be on an OD team at the time that we had an amazing CEO who knew great things about organizational development because he was previously a VP of HR And he started a campaign for excellence, it was called. And I was part of that team that was the mouthpiece in the organization for this brand new campaign that we were going to have to turn a bad morale of 5,000 people around into great morale of 5,000 people. And help launch us nationally in terms of scores. And what a ride it was. Brian, it was the best ride I ever took. And we did all sorts of change in, in, incentives in the hospital, and I worked with teams. I worked with uh, launching uh, technical things as well, but getting the morale part on it, part of it. I did not do the technology. But when we went to say computerized records at the bedside, well, you can imagine the resistance we were going to get with that. And so I worked and headed up a whole team of people for that initiative. I love doing that. And our resistance was lower, our buy in was higher. It was, there of course were bumps along the way, but it was much less bumpy <laughs> than we thought it could have been. And so I've been doing initiatives like that. I've also worked in government and banks and uh, manufacturing, all sorts of different um, kinds of companies and and, uh, industries because I started a part time consulting along the way and was able to do that regionally here in upstate New York. Now, I'm in the biggest challenge of my life, and that is launching my business digitally because I've done it on the ground for almost 20 years, and I thought, "Ah, I'm going to take it into new heights, and that's what I'm
0: doing now. (laughs) That's exciting. It is. So were there any struggles along the way?
1: In terms of me doing um, the coaching?
0: or In terms of just getting to where you are now, was it always smooth? Were there any bumps in the road?
1: There's always bumps.
0: (laughs) There are always bumps. And
1: I remember when I first started coaching in the hospital, you know, my first coaching client, oh, I was so nervous, you know, and scared. I didn't really know what I was doing. I've come a long way since then, I'll tell you. Um, Because I know really, one of the things that I learned in my coaching curriculum was that the coaching client always knows the answers. And, And training facilitators think that they have the answers, but we don't. The coaching clients have the answers. I just have to get them to figure out what the answer is. And that's my task. And when they figure it out, they're more likely to do it. If they're told, they don't want to
0: do it. You're like (laughs) sifting for gold. You know, you got all this, and you got to find the little pieces of gold in there. They give it to you, but you need to, you need to find the impactful parts and give it back to them, right?
1: Exactly. I had a great professor and she was all about ask powerful questions. You have to ask great, powerful questions that get them to think. If they're not thinking and really kind of going, oh, I don't know, what could I do? What should I do? We're not going to get anywhere. That's where the coaching and the change in behavior comes from, because there's a huge difference between knowing something and changing your behavior right? Huge. Huge. I mean, it's like jumping over the Grand Canyon for some people. So um, the coach has to get them to the edge of the, the cliff there and get them to jump. And hopefully by helping them with tools, it isn't such a wide chasm after all.
0: So how much of what you do, would you say, is education versus motivation to act?
1: You know, I think it goes hand in hand. I think sometimes I can offer information that helps people. I think uh, I can also offer them encouragement to motivate them to do what they need to do. Um, you know, depending on the situation and the person, it's a fifty. It can be a 50-50 proposition, or You know, it fluctuates along the way, depending on what the issue is, depending on how resistant the person is. That's a huge part. Um, The good news is is that every single person that was ever assigned to me through the organization that I worked in ended up saying, you know, I didn't want to come here, but boy, I'm glad I did.
0: Nice. That's (laughs) always good to hear.
1: Yeah, because I'm not into being punitive. I'm not into being dictatorial. I'm into helping someone become the best they can be, and also to help them be best and great for their organization and their staff. Right. That's my only goal.
0: Exactly. What is your big message to leaders that if you could put up a billboard and every leader would have to drive by it every day, what would you say?
1: That's a great question, Brian. I love it because... I have just started writing blogs, and on my, the blog posts, I was, according to my coach that I've hired, I have to have several to put up before I put them up, and I'm in the process of writing the series, um, and my first one that I talked about, and that is, if the, if the person was driving by and they saw the billboard, I, I would put up, leadership is not about you, the leader, it's not. And I think everyone who's a leader thinks it is about them, uh, because all the leadership literature is about them. You know, and I've read tons of leadership literature. You know, what style do you use and all the research on what works and leadership and blah, blah, blah. And there's a ton of it. But the fact of the matter is, it's not about the leader. It's about the followers. Period end of story. And so, um, my new my new little series that I'm putting up is is called Rock Star Leadership. I like it. Thank you. And the reason why is because I've had the pleasure of attending several rock rock concerts recently, in tandem with seeing Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the movie about Queen. And as I studied it and went to these concerts and I saw raving fans, you know, people thrilled to part with their money for outrageously expensive tickets, buying their t-shirts, their CDs, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, what is it that these rock stars are doing that get people to be so happy, so excited, to follow them, to, to spend their money? Wouldn't it be great if leaders and organizations could get their employees that happy? And as soon as I thought that, I thought, don't worry about your leadership style. Don't worry about that stuff. Think about, instead, how can you make the people who work for you, who are your followers, thrilled to be at your show? That's what it's all about. It
0: is. First of all, so I got to react to that. I want to ask you... First of all, I gotta ask you what concert you went to. I'm a big music guy, so I I got to hear this part of it.
1: Well, I happened to see Eric Clapton, and I mean, I'm just a huge Clapton fan. I was I was back in the day, of course, a huge Beatles fan, um, and I did get to see Ringo Starr, and he came to town with a group of people from Santana, Doobie Brothers, a bunch of different bands, and it was great because we were all, you know, now older fans and we're singing all the songs and we're doing all the stuff and it was wonderful it was exhilarating and to see that oh and and back in the day I also saw the Eagles and they did Desperado and I will never forget that so um yeah I you know all of a sudden That whole thing about what do they do, how hard they work out on the stage when they're out there trying to please us is how hard a leader should be working trying to please their staff. And instead, most people think it's the other way around.
0: Yes, exactly. And the other part about that is, and I'm like an amateur musician myself, but I know what we're seeing on them, as much as you say... They're working, which they are, but that's the fun part. All the hard work took place behind closed doors. The learning to play the interest instruments, the learning to sing, the sifting through all the different songs, to find the ones that would resonate with people. Uh, all the hey. time when, when nobody was looking. And so many times people say about musicians, well, it just comes easy, easily to them. It's natural, but it's always, with everybody I know, it's always hard work. And with a leader, I think it's a great correlation that you made because you just can't show up and expect it to be easy. It's work.
1: It, it's hard work. And you're right. You know, this past weekend, I was I was away for, over Easter break. And I went out uh, with my friends and family to this place, and they had an idol contest of local people. And it was so interesting because... You could tell who chose the right songs for the audience and who didn't. And therein lies the key to leadership because it's like, know your people who you're leading. Know your followers. If you don't know them, if you don't like them, and if you don't care about them, you're gonna be a lousy leader, period. And a rock star who doesn't care about their fans is not gonna be a rock star, right? You
0: gotta play the songs people wanna hear. Bingo. Play the hits. And and it's so funny you say this to you and I, I can already tell I think alike in a lot of ways. I'm building my (laughs) business right now as a leadership coach and a workplace culture consultant. And when I was first doing this, somebody offered to meet with me and give me some guidance. And they said to me, well, what type of leadership are you going to teach? What style leadership are you going to teach? And I think to myself, I'm going to teach what works. (laughs) Because to say I'm going to be confined to teaching a certain style of leadership, I think is missing the boat because you're not going to have just a certain type of person on your team. Right. A leader has to be able to adjust their style to motivate the people on their team. Do we all have styles we gravitate towards naturally? Yes. But if you restrict yourself to that mode, you will never be effective with a large portion of the people that are on your team,
1: in my opinion. I agree with you totally. I mean, some people will only, and you, like I said, you have to know your team. Like, some people only respond well to transactional kind of stuff. Like, you do this for me, and I'll do that for you. But, you know, the most impactful, statistically, is transformational, where you actually get to see change that takes place among among your staff. And one of my favorite leadership coach, uh, sorry, leadership quotes is from Eisenhower, you know, and I'm not a big military person. I've never been in or anything like that. But he, I don't know if you're familiar with his quote, but when I first heard it, I said, pow, that's that's leadership in a nutshell. And his quote is, and I'm going to paraphrase here, um, Leadership is the art, because it is an art, it's not a science, right? Leadership is the art of getting someone to do something that you need them to do, and they want to do it. Right. Therein lies the problem. How do you get people to want to do it? I mean, think about D-Day. How did you get people to go on the shores of Europe, knowing they'd probably be killed? How do you do that? Right. Well, all we're asking people to do is to show up, go to work, show up on time, do a good job and get paid. So how do you get people to want to do that? And oftentimes leaders are really good at disengaging and, and demoralizing their people. So, you know, what I try to teach leaders to do is how do you get them to want to do what you need to be done. They will make you look good if you're a good leader. If you're not, they will make you look lousy.
0: Exactly. And I think part of the problem, and obviously this is a huge issue, in my opinion, part of the problem is that many times leaders get to where they are because they're driven. They don't need somebody to motivate them. They're driven to succeed. They're driven to do more. They catch people's eyes and they get promoted. But What they don't understand is not everybody is like that. Yeah, you're right. Some people need you to create the circumstances in which they can succeed. They need you to help them along the path. They need the guidance that you might not have. And I I think that's where they struggle sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Excuse me. The other thing, of course, is um, people who are doing it for the wrong motivation, especially their ego, Um, And we all know that. We can see through that in a heartbeat. Most people can, you know, and that shows really pretty quickly. And people disengage from that as well. Well,
0: Without a doubt. And it becomes apparent pretty much immediately to the people on your team. Yeah, it really does. Now we know it's on the billboard, so that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you, who's influenced you? Were there any mentors or people that have sort of helped you along the way?
1: Yeah. Um, it really was Pete McGinn, Dr. Pete McGinn, who was the CEO of the hospital that I that I referenced earlier. And um, you know, he he was a child psychologist by training. So he had a um a mindset towards the well-being of people, which is a great he didn't have a bottom line uh mindset, which a lot of CEOs have because it's all about the money, it's all about the bottom line. Your bottom line will come if you take care of the people first. I believe, and so that's what Pete believed. He believed that he had to take care of his of his people first. And so I I spent um, a fair amount of time talking with him, working with on, him on you know communication initiatives for the organization and so forth. <clears throat> Excuse me. And also, I was a student at that time, and I interviewed him for papers and so forth. So. I got a lot of really great ideas from Pete, but I saw him in the action. Here he is in a CEO. His office is outside of a main lobby in one of the hospitals in the system. Do you know what he used to do? He would come out in the hallway and greet people who came into the hospital. And you can always tell who's lost, you know, because they always look up at the ceiling. And and everybody's always lost in hospitals, right? I mean, that's just a fact of life. So he would... Uh, see these people and go up and say can I help you and where are you going oh yeah we're going to the lab he'd walk them to the lab never tell them who he was um he just had an amazing um he he just cared about people period end of story and so he cared about his employees he turned excuse me allergies this time of year you know he turned the um the culture upside down in the hospital, because hospitals tend to be hierarchical and they tend to be uh, doctor-focused and generally male-focused. And so what he said was, we're gonna do things differently. We're gonna have three initiatives in our campaign for excellence. The first one is, we are working to make it a great place to work. That puts the staff first. Second, we're making it a great place to receive care. Ah, that puts the community next. And the third one was, we're going to make it a great place to practice medicine. He made the doctors at the bottom of the triangle. He like tipped the triangle upside down and made it a pyramid, you know. So um, it was all about 5,000 employees making it a great place to work for them. Holy smoke. Trying to get that message out most of the time in the beginning people didn't believe it you know they're like of course they don't care about us but once we started doing all the initiatives that we did they found out he did mean it throughout those five years that I worked on that campaign with him I watched our hospital hit the top 100 nationally the top 100 stroke hospitals the top 100 heart hospitals We had units that hit the top 98, 99th percentile in patient satisfaction scores. I mean, we just just hit amazing benchmarks. So Pete was an awesome uh, mentor for me, role model for me, leader for me. I just got so much from the man, and I ran with it.
0: (laughs) Well, he's still teaching us right now because we all just learned a little bit. I love that story. And my guess is, though you didn't say it, is that the financials improved too. Oh,
1: the financials improved greatly. And the sad part is is that Pete retired because of poor health. A new CEO came in who believed in bottom line. And the first thing he did was start laying off people and brought in a financial consultant. And the morale went Straight down the tubes, and all sorts of things happened after that, you know. But, um, you know, the ride up the hill was so exhilarating, and reaching all those milestones. And healthcare is a real hard thing today, as everyone talks about in politics. It's hard, but you have to you have to have the mindset right. You know, the employees healthcare is really really stressful and it's fast-paced, and it's live or die sometimes. And you have to tend to those people who come in every day and do that. And sometimes they get beaten up by the public, and we were there to support them. And, And, man, what a difference that made. We had people who came to work every day and said, I love my job, even though it's really hard. And that's what you want.
0: Exactly. And I love that story for so many reasons, but it also points out one of the things people like you and I say all the time that Sometimes, I don't know if they believe us, but that culture is a strategic and competitive advantage. And that by building your culture, the results will come. But absolutely! But by focusing just on the results and trying to get there by cutting culture, you're <laughs> cutting off your nose to spite your face, as my mom used to say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was on Facebook the other day in a, in a leadership uh, group. And one of the guys started ranting, I guess you'd say, or whining <laughs> um, about. He was really upset with the people in his team because they, you know, were not motivated and they they weren't good. He just was not happy with his team. And then he he ended it by saying, first of all, if people aren't producing, I think they should be fired. And second of all, he said. <laughs> He said, I'm more concerned about my organization than I am about my people. Well, you can imagine what that did to me, right? So I responded. And I asked him, so what's your organization? The furniture, the technology, the buildings? What? What is it? It's the people. They come first. He never responded to me.
0: <laughs> I've used that many times too. I said, the building doesn't help anybody. Your business is not the building. It's not the computers. It's not the It's not the desk. They'll just sit there. It's the people. Those, those things are the things that help them do it, but it's the people. You build the people, you build the business. Anyway, we could talk all day about this, but I agree with you 100%. Now, let me ask you a couple other questions. Okay. If you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell your younger self?
1: You know, I saw that question when you sent it to me, and like I thought about that. Holy cow, ten years ago, um, and I still, I, I still don't know. Um, I think in terms of of what I do for people and and the passion and so forth. I think that would be the same. My challenge right now is because of where i live and the downturn in the economy over the course of the years i lived in once with what was once the home of ibm and ibm left the area and much like you know detroit where they all the auto um companies left <clears throat> we're left with a skeleton city and there's there's fewer and fewer economic resources here. So in terms of my business, if I had known that this was going to happen the way it did and hit bottom the way it has, 10 years ago I would have said get in on the technology and launch it digitally. So I'm really behind the 8 ball in terms of that. But in terms of my message and what I do and what I love, um I think the only thing I would say to myself is just keep doing it, Diane, because you're doing you're doing the right thing. Anytime you help people have a better quality of life, you're doing the right thing. And that's where my passion is.
0: So I, can, I can hear it and sense it. So how exactly do you help people today?
1: Um, I think I help leaders feel better about themselves because... You know, I've had leaders that are like, you know, I tell my staff what to do and they just kind of look at me and walk away. That's a terrible thing to feel disrespected, you know. Um, they stay they stay up night sometimes when they care and they can't sleep because an issue is going on and they don't know how to solve that. And that's very troubling. And so um, I, I want to help. Any new supervisor, new manager, whomever who don't know and maybe have never been trained in the resources and things to do to make it better for their team. So I want to help them so that they can sleep at night so they can walk in every day refreshed and feel really good about what they're doing and really good about the team that they're leading. And and then in tandem with that, as the leader is developed, so, too, I want the team to be developed. And so um I'm hoping that through working with leaders, it becomes a better place for all of the followers because the followers are there either by choice or by coercion. And I want them to be there by choice because they choose to work for that manager. And we all know people don't usually leave companies as much as they leave managers. So I'm hoping to help both the manager and the manager's team
0: perfect and where can people find you online
1: thank you for asking i'm at the leadership lane and that's l-a-n-e the lane leadership lane that
0: url was available it worked nice yeah Yeah, i love it
1: theleadershiplane.com
0: leadershiplane.com and they'll see a video on there i think i told you earlier i really love that video it sort of has you talking about your message it's great thank you So what does the future hold for Diane?
1: Well, um, I am hoping to, I have over the course of years, tons of programs uh, for people, like from communication, how do you communicate with your team? You know, listening, oh, what a concept. Uh, (laughs) You know, um, change, change management, huge. Um, Of course, leadership, lots of different, programs. And so I am hoping to get them all up and running digitally and to market and to let people know that I'm out there, that I can help them. And it doesn't matter whether we live in the same community or not, because I'm happy to do individual coaching like via Skype, um, on the phone, um, you can take my classes, what have you. So um, I just want to impact more people. So that more people can feel better about themselves as leaders and they can have teams that are that are successful and that are happy and have good qualities of life.
0: Perfect. Well, Dr. Diane Lang, thank you very much for joining us today. I have enjoyed it greatly.
1: Thank you. I have too, Brian. Thank you so much, because I get real excited about this stuff. and It's great to
0: talk to you about it. Thank you to Dr. Diane Lang for being with us. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Dr. Lang has so many fantastic thoughts about leadership and helping others. It was great to hear her. That will wrap up today's episode. If you found us out there somewhere, online, at Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, if you could take a moment to like, Rate, review, subscribe for free, whatever you can do. That would be fantastic. Otherwise, go out, have a great day, lead with impact, and I will talk to you again next time.